Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Photographic Collective Podcast, y'all. My name is Miles Wood Boyer. I am uh, I'm hosting today alongside my good buddy, Jared Fincher, and we've got a treat for you guys. Okay, so what if I told you that I found a photographer and a filmmaker who has worked in the White House? He's hung out with Obama. He's handled the AIDS crisis in South Africa. He yeah, did a photo documentary with men serving life sentences uh, in Louisiana who want to become better dads while they're in prison. Like this is a dude that has just run the spectrum of humanity with a camera in his hands. And what he's learned is that his faith and his family and his relationships are are central to, to success. Yo, this is a really intentional conversation. I hope what you hear by our conversation today with Garrett is, uh, is just how powerful it can be when a person allows others to speak into their lives, when, when they pursue mentorship, when they pursue coaching, and they do it with a heart of just humility. Super great conversation coming towards you. So we're going to jump right over. Hey, thanks so much for being there. So, okay, before we like go too deep though, um, Garrett, tell us like, you know, just, just high level, man. Who, who are you and where are you? Yeah, my name is Garrett Hubbard. I am, man, it's so hard to put labels in yourself, but top labels is probably uh, man of faith, then husband, then daddy, then visual storyteller, filmmaker, producer. I'm a dude. And I live in Bittenville, Arkansas. Like the, the one thing we all have in common. That's not true. We're all dads. We're all dudes. We are. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love it. So, so you've got this like super fascinating story. I keep hinting at that. And we're going we're gonna to get to where you are now. But um, you just nonchalantly dropped earlier. I'm calling you out on all these things because <laughs> I get the opportunity to. Nonchalantly, listeners... Garrett tells me earlier, hey, you should drop over to my website and just kind of like get yourself acquainted. Peruse, just peruse yeah. around. Peruse would be a good word. And, you know, check out some of the things that I've, that I've done. And so here's the thing. I've seen your work plenty of times, Garrett. And, and y'all that don't know Garrett, Garrett is a brilliant filmmaker. Like his yeah. work is, and I, I don't use that lightly. His work is absolutely inspired. It's, it's really well good. Done. But, but there's just this nonchalant photo of you fist bumping Obama. Yeah, no big deal. No biggie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so I want to back I want to back way up then because clearly there's there's backstory. So so tell us. I mean, before you were um, a dude living in Bentonville, Arkansas, uh, and a, a dad, and all of those things. Like, where where did you come from? Yeah, I grew up in Northern California in Sacramento, uh, land of avocados and place of San Joaquin Valley, the most fertile farmland. So we had great produce and, uh, and you know, it's, uh, California is a type of place where people are active. People kind of are very, uh, uh, they just, they don't think that much of the country exists east of them. And when you're on the West coast, <laughs> it all kind of, you know, you, you, it, yeah. it's like, you had no interest in being anywhere else. It's such a lovely place. The climate is it's just gorgeous. And uh, so, I, yeah, I grew up in California and managed to uh, get my both my degrees in California. I studied uh, economics with the emphasis in accounting and was on my way to become a CPA. And then I think uh, I was just thankful that God had other plans and that I was uh, maybe willing to listen to them. 
and uh, through some cross-cultural work and community development work, I just really got more of a glimpse of the power of visual storytelling to communicate God's heart for justice, for the world, for us to live for something bigger than ourselves. And I went back to school. So you, you get this spark. Suddenly it's like, okay, there's this innate power to telling stories. And people who perhaps if you don't tell their story, their story won't be told. Right. What, what, before we, before we go anywhere closer to the present, what was the story? Cause everybody that we've talked to, we've had a number of people on here that have had similar kind of like launch point in that, that mindset of saying like, suddenly I realized that my voice was needed to share other people's voices. What was that story for you early on? Yeah. So this was, uh, I was, so I'm 43 now. I was in university uh, at U- University of California, Santa Barbara, uh, one of the most beautiful places in the country. And uh, that's really where, that's a lot of people to go to university. That's where you grow up a lot. You become who you are. You gain some identity. And really during that time, I uh, my faith became more real grew up going to church because I had to, but it's because I had to, and it really wasn't my own. And I don't know if anybody else, any of you guys have felt that where it's like, if you're handed something, it's really not yours until you believe it or until you say it's yours. And for me, it just took, I guess, some tragedy in my life and going to college and meeting other people that said they believe the same things that I did but they lived a different way and they found joy in different things than I did. And it was really inspiring. And it just really caused me to investigate. And uh, that's really where my faith became more my own and real. And where just I received, I would just say, a lot of healing. Like God did a lot of healing in my heart. Uh, and in that time, I really started to see in university through uh, – a group of, of, of other people who say they love Jesus, a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I just started to understand what racial reconciliation being. I started to understand what it's God's heart for the world. That if you look at your faith through the lens of your experience, and if you're American, maybe it's a, a wealthy, comfortable life experience, that people in other parts of the world have a much different experience and a different worldview than you do. And I started to get glimpses of that in my time overseas in South Africa, that nine weeks, this would be 2002, that summer I really should have been getting some internship at some accounting firm, someplace important. And uh, I spent the summer there and I really saw with who? How, why, yeah, how are so, you there? You know, some people in my uh, in my church in Santa Barbara, they uh, you know they were moved of all things by a photo essay in Time Magazine about the AIDS pandemic. Okay, who was that photographer? Okay, legendary photographer, war court, war photographer James Noctway, and he had this beautiful essay, and the cover. Uh, 
just a powerful portrait of a mom and it said with a baby and it said, uh, it said, look at the pictures, read the stories and try not to care. And that moved them. That moved them so much that they said, how can we, if we say that we love Jesus and Jesus tells us to love the world and be his hand and feet, be his, his avenue to help people, how can we not do something about this if there are 40 million people living with HIV and AIDS? How do we respond to this pandemic? This is a much different time than it was. This is pre-PEPFAR. Uh, this is, uh, you know, Bush's aid relief, maybe his biggest legacy for W, uh, his aid relief for the world for HIV and AIDS. But this is pre that. This is when two thirds of the world's HIV AIDS sufferers were in sub-Saharan Africa and millions and millions of people were dying annually because of this. Uh, and so they went over there one summer and they said, let's help. Let's not Let's not come in as, as white savior. Let's come in and learn. How can we learn what the felt needs are and how can we connect them to local resources and help them grow? And that's kind of a grassroots model. That's a bottom-up equipping model as opposed to a top-down, which says a uh, top-down model is more of like, here's a check. Uh, we're going to throw this down. This is going to make it better. Uh And grassroots development uh, like that, that's holistic development, tends to be stickier and have more success because it engages more people that are local and it connects them to the problems and connects them to solutions to the problems. So that was summer of 2002 and I came back with some amateur photographs and I had an old uh, Nikon 8008 film camera that my dad gave me to use in college. So no. did you go for that purpose? Was that like your mission it to was help not. with photos? My mission, my work there was to help set up a computer training center and to be and just to be present. Let's go. And to help and learn however I can. Mm-hmm. And I went and I said, Hey, if we raise a little extra money and I bring over forty six rolls of film, a bunch of Triax, a bunch of Provia, uh maybe we can bring back and tell some more of the story and get more people involved. And so, Man. you know, I had the biggest cache of, of film I've ever had in my life, 40, 46 rolls. And uh, had only been using the camera for maybe a year or so at that point. And uh, took some amateur photographs of our experiences. I mean, we, we went to funerals of people that we had visited days before. We went to cemeteries. We went to worship services we experienced this gamut of life there outside of Cape Town in this township called Philippi. And uh, it was just radical. It was radical. I saw uh, uh, people that say they loved Jesus, maybe like I say I love Jesus, but it's such a different life. They have nothing materially to rest on. They have physical issues they have different things and yet there's a joy and a hope there that was beyond beautiful and so it just it just rocked me it just moved me and just like yeah this is this is what it means like when jesus says love your neighbor 
when Jesus says, uh, give to those in need. When Jesus says, the poor you always have with you, these are the type of people you're supposed to love. And it, it, I should say they're all types of people, but those are the type of people that I never encountered in my life. And so that was just really powerful, coming home with these amateur photographs and seeing people respond in my community through people at church, but I also did some ga- <clears throat> some gallery showings at coffee shops and had openings and, you know, did like yeah, 20 did. prints and stuff. And, yeah, you did. And people Heck like yeah. got involved <laughs> and it was just powerful. So uh, I saw people respond that differently and I saw different people respond than had responded earlier to the words, to the stories that people were brought back from the previous year, the short trip the previous year. So I saw that this this is a tool that reaches different people and it reaches people differently. And so that's shortly thereafter is when I decided to still pursue my CPA, but hey, I'll go to this fantastic school, technical school called Brooks Institute of Photography, which just happened to be where I live in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, and I say that happened very facetiously. Uh, but yeah, I went back to school and there were numerous things. And, and you know what film helped motivate me to go back and study something different? It was a film about the life of James Noctway, that war photographer. It's a powerful doc, power, yeah. powerful doc about wow. his single minded mission to create, see if I can remember this from, 20-something years ago. His mission was to create images powerful enough to overcome the noise of mass marketing of the modern world. We're going to have to look it up and I have to say it later in the podcast, but it's this beautiful one-sentence mission statement that he wants to shake people up. Be like, look, this maybe isn't what you should care about. Maybe you should care about this. And uh, that really really moved his single mindedness really moved me and i went back to school and it was uh, multiple things that had to happen and taking out new loans and and some people actually supported me financially uh to to go because they believe this they believed in what i believed in this calling and i went back to school hey let me ask you really quick what 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 year did you you said this was 2002? 2002 and i went to south africa for nine weeks let me let me share with you quickly Garrett was asking me when we were chatting the other day, and he was like, I don't know what I would tell you. I don't know what I would talk about on your podcast. I'm like, you have to be on it, right? He's like, I don't, I don't know right. what I would. Garrett, that story, just finding that purpose and, uh, and pursuing that purpose. And listen, regardless of people's perspectives on faith that listen to this, regardless, I think we can all, anyone can, all, can, can look at what you just said, that, that quote that you said, um, about like, go down there and see it. And I, I, I mm. dare you to not change. Right. And, and it did, it clearly, it changed you. Okay. So you, you come back from this sort of obviously life altering experience where you, you now have a fresh perspective yeah. on the world and, and you've got a camera in your hands and now you have a problem to solve, right? What, what comes next for you? Yeah. Going, going back to school. Uh, that year, I was supposed to be getting essentially hours towards this process, towards licensure for my CPA. And you could do some of those hours through education. <clears throat> and I, I don't want to 
paint this like I was this brilliant, brilliant young college student in school. Like in high school, I got great grades. I went to this university that got four Nobel prizes while I was there in like different departments. So I was like, is this, is this really weird world, this beautiful place, a lot of smart people, you know, it was no UCLA, but it was a fantastic school. And, uh, but it was also a school where like people studied hard, but they party hard. And it was a, like, it was a gnarly party scene where every year, multiple people, and I'm sure it's happened at every university, but multiple people died from different issues related to alcohol poisoning. And it was a, like, it was a hard party in school. Not everyone, but certain people. And, uh, it's this real dichotomy of, of, of situations. And so I, I can't say that I was, I fit in with, I was a shoe in to work at then the, the big five accounting firms. Yeah. Uh, but I got, I got pretty good grades and I probably could have done something, but man, just my heart wasn't in it. It's so hard to do like this networking around meeting recruiters and different things for these accounting firms to go to these events where everyone's talking about drinking or not everyone, but it's just, it just revolved around different priorities than I had in my life. And it was a struggle. So I'm not going to say that I had this golden career ticket in accounting uh, that I turned away to, uh, to go do nonprofit photography to do. Uh, it, it would have been a struggle, but I know it, it would have been a secure, potentially very secure uh, job field as well. So I went back to school after that first summer quarter there a quarter at school i saw that film by, by about james Noctway. that really moved me i won this little school photo contest out of my whole school of twenty thousand people from a picture i took in south africa and i'm like that's funny not ha funny but that's weird funny and uh there's some other different things and i'm just like yeah this is this is a really powerful tool and so found out about brooks and learned more about it and you know as anyone knows, like it's, it had a fantastic reputation. It uh, probably got tarnished a little bit when they were bought by Career Education Corporation. It became a, a product of profit rather than creating artists and uh, effective filmmakers and photographers. Uh, but uh, I had a great school, and and you know I went back to school, and I was the kid, and the kid, twenty three year old kid amongst a bunch of 18, 19 year olds at art school or half the people smoke and it's a different vibe in art school than it was at uh, UC Santa Barbara. But I'm the kid in the front class, front row, just like sitting there, like, you know, nose the grindstone. What can I learn? Sponge. I'm excited. I'm fired up. And, uh, had the opportunity to do internships. That was kind of the thing. Like if you're in the photojournalism program, which is what I was in, it was like, we're grooming you to be a newspaper photographer. And a lot of us didn't want to be newspaper photographers, but, uh, but I did internships with some not-for-profits that I really respected. And uh, not internships. I did projects overseas uh, for them and in the Balkans and India. And uh, came back and just kind of kind of quickly realized that that's a, a hard way to make a living. You know, a camera goes down in India because it's 100% humidity 110% of the time. And I'm putting D1Xs in ovens to dry and dry and out, dry them out. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, how am I going to be able to afford to, you know, the gear and living, etc. And so uh, I started looking at newspapers, and 
I got an internship uh, through the people that have invested me. You know, my, my story, sidebar, but really main bar, is that so much of my story is about the people that have invested in me. And I think mentorship and people that give to you uh, provide such an opportunity that you don't realize at the time. But now with the age I am, I realize how much they gave me. So professors at school, Greg Cooper, Paul Myers, these people that invested so much in me that helped connect me to my first internship. I went to Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio in November through like April is gray. And so I, and I, and they, they kind of think a lot about football there. Football coaches are demigods. And uh, it was quite a culture shock coming from Southern California. I worked at an internship at the newspaper there for six weeks, six, I'm sorry, six months. And I had a, a friend there, Doral Chenoweth, who invested a lot in me. And I really learned a lot from him through his love for the homeless. And that really inspired me. We got to work on projects around that and did a little multimedia project and about it. And it got all this attention in the newsroom. This is 2004 and uh, people bandwidth or, um, Broadband hadn't per, you know, penetrated a lot of America at that point, uh, some, but not all of it. And so this is like some video, some sound slide style where it's audio under, Nat sound audio under uh, photographs. And then I did my next internship, applied for internships. And, you know, you're at this phase in your life, you're like, who's going to accept me? Where can I go? What's the best photo opportunity? What's the best DOP that I can learn from? And you applied all these internships and... <clears throat> I was a finalist at the San Diego Union Tribune. I get, and I didn't get it, and I was really bummed. But man, I, I went to the most amazing paper in Naples, Florida, this visual paper where the editor, the editor came from the photo side. And if you ever worked at newspapers, hmm. that never happens. The editors come from the word side, the scribblers, the writers. And hmm. so it was a very visual paper, won all kinds of awards all the time because it it just played big, beautiful photos. And there was a culture, a team there of, of staff photographers, about seven that I got to be an intern. I was an intern there and got to cover hurricane with them. And had a friend, uh, Darren Silva, who's a staff photographer who, you know, showed me how to shoot a, a Miami Dolphins NFL game and showed me how to shoot hockey and, let me stay at his house when the hurricane came. Dude, you, you've had some experience. <laughs> uh, yeah. Seriously. So I, yeah. Did that. And I was like, well, now what? And uh, that turned into a, a full-time job doing video, uh, video production. That newspaper launched a TV station, online TV station, a newspaper launched a vodcast in 2005. And so I was trying to do Nat sound pieces for their, uh, like two a week for their uh, for their show. So I had my first job out of school at that paper, and that was a really really neat opportunity. And again, every time internship, I do a video project, everyone will kind of lose their minds, and I'm like, it's just okay, but lose their minds sounds really lame. It, it, they just got a lot of attention, and that's when newspapers really weren't doing much multimedia outside of stills. Dude, you're a you're a guy that has you've kind of like hugged the tightrope between being sort of blown in the wind, right? Like I, 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 I will go where my story takes me and, uh, you know, like have camera, we'll, we'll travel. 
But obviously, I think it's really, really clear that you also have a lot of intentionality into your why, like yes. chasing this this passion and this purpose behind that passion, and then trying to trying to solve for that in in a really creative way. Um, and so, so before we keep going here, I I just want to ask you a question that that maybe will pertain directly to everybody that's listening. Then, because I think that that right there is something that anyone that has ever picked up a camera has fought, has struggled, right? You see moments in front of you that you wish you knew how to capture. You see potential for story that you, that you wish that you either had, had seen early enough that it hadn't already gone by um, or that you had the, the intentionality to grab it. What's something that you would suggest to a, a young photographer or young filmmaker uh, or just mm-hmm. a young creative that would... Um, maybe help get them out of their own way and allow them to see how their passion for photography or videography or, or whatever, and their purpose can so quickly fall in line with the people around them by just simply allowing themselves to be present in that moment. I mean, you, you've said the word present, I think, probably 10 mm. times. I think that's a powerful mm. moment for you. I think it is going back to what you said about knowing your why. Uh, my why didn't change when I went to South Africa. It was just grew a lot stronger. The tool, the vehicle that I used changed. When I say tool and vehicle, I say visual storytelling. So my why didn't change a whole lot uh, because of my why stemming from maybe my faith but, uh, but the tool did. And I think something that really helped me is while I was at Brooks, this, you know, intensive art school, uh, while I was at Brooks, I was studying for my CPA. And so I'd be at school. School was 40 minutes from my house. In, uh, and I would stay there between classes and be in the cafeteria area, cafe area and have my awful CPA books. Oh, I hated those things, whether it's the tax section or whatever. These were awful, man. I can't even tell you how thankful I am. I'm not doing that. But I'd be studying those because it's like, I need a fallback. And I had, I had supportive parents. I, I, I was so scared to tell my parents about changing from this four-year degree that they had helped pace for some and, and, and then to change from accounting to, to photography. And my dad's like, oh, I wanted to go to that school when I was young. And I'm like, what? And then, and then my mom was like, she totally supported me. She supported me financially in, in it. And uh, I think she was apprehensive, but she still supported me. But in that time while I was there, I had a professor who I talked to. He wasn't even, I never had a class with him. His name is Brent Weinbrenner. And I went into his office about something, and maybe he saw me studying these heinous books uh, for the CPA exam. Uh, we're talking like four inches tall worth of exam prep books, uh, five inches. It was awful, expensive, expensive books too. And he's like, talking about what I was going to do. And I said, well, I'm going to do this, and then I'm studying for my CPA so I can sit in this month to take it. The, the CPA exam for those not it's like, it's like the bar. It is thorough. It's a two day exam. Uh, 
it's been, yeah. So it's really hard. Uh, and, uh, he's like, it's like, what if, what if you didn't give yourself a safety net? And I'm just like, what? He's like, yeah. What if, what if you just went all in? What if you went all in with photography and, and visual journalism? And I'm just like, whew. And that was, that was kind of a little bit where this, this person who I barely knew spoke into my life and asked me a really challenging question. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't know how quickly, I don't remember that process, but it, it, I was got the point where it's like, the, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go all in. And so it was full commitment. It was grit. There were, there were people in my classes that had more talent, just like any space. There's people have different levels of talent and artistic levels. They're just innate. And then there are people that are going to outwork you. And that's who I am. Like, I think I have some talent, uh, but I've developed a lot over time. I'm doing this a long time. So that's helped me get better. I learned from a lot of good people, but I, I'm going to work harder than the people who, who maybe I'm just going to work harder than everyone that can. When I get focused on something, I just go after it. And, and that's what I think helped me with my internships. And in internships, I'd come back from an assignment or one of them, director of photography at Columbus. My first internship came back with these portraits that I made of the local high school all-stars and the portraits were terrible. Like, I look back and think of now, like, these are awful. And he's like, he was very kind. He's like, these just aren't good. <laughs> just like, oh, and, yeah. And it's always like a reshoot, go out for a reshoot. And, uh, and I, I, that was so good. It's, it's like, I, I, I can't tell you how important it is to fail quickly to fail. And I had friends back in the North of Virginia, DC area who were for Amazon. They had this, uh, Amazon Web Services was there, and and they had a uh, a phrase at Amazon that said "fail quickly." So if you're going to try something bold, it's good to know that it's no good quickly, and you can move on and pivot and try something else. And I didn't grow up in a an environment where failure was really an option. Not that it was this high pressure perfectionist, but that it wasn't okay for things to maybe not be okay. And uh, so I think I think mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a tangent. I, I wish. I wish I took more risks and I have taken a lot of risks, but uh, I think taking those risks early on in your life is helpful. But I think if you're, if you're called to something, go all in. I don't say that lightly as someone who I got my degree in accounting. So uh, financial literacy and uh, cost benefit analysis is something that's just kind of wired in me at this point. Uh, But make up a plan know who you need to talk to and learn from to help you execute that plan and just go. Man. Yeah. I just, I hear like, man, this, this theme Mm -hmm. of mentorship, like so much through your, your journey, like through your story. And I think that probably connects with a lot of people. I think a lot of people would say like, well, I just don't have anybody in my life or I don't know who, who would be that for me. And I guess my question to you, like, do you seek out those? I mean, I'm hearing you talk about it. It's like, well, I just ran into this guy and he stopped me and said these things. Like, did you seek out those relationships or was it just one of those things that God just kind of plopped those in your lap? You know, it's interesting looking back, like I meet people who are 20 years old now or 22 years old and 
can't return an email in a timely manner or don't do basic things that I think are just basic professionalism. And I don't know where I was. I think I was probably that same guy, even though I'd like to think I wasn't. Uh, I just can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember back that far. But but I, I, I did have people that believed in me and invested in me. Uh, and I did go to people for help. And I think, I think what's really powerful is looking at life and these challenges with a growth mindset. And I've heard people... I think that word gets overused and I think it triggers, triggers some people, but it's looking at what can I learn from this situation? What can I learn from the adversity? What can I learn from the, the static that I'm getting in this? And when you ask someone to help, that's a very humbling thing. That is saying, I do not have what I need and I need it. It's very un-American. And I will say that the the, the part of America that says pull yourself up by your bootstraps is bullshit. Excuse my language, but it is a terrible life mentality. Uh, We need each other. And when someone asks you to help, I think there is, when you are drawn, when you come to the right people, I think they may, there's going to be people that say no, but there's going to be people that say yes. And when I think when someone sees someone that is humble, someone that is eager, and someone that wants to learn, uh, they see someone who they can help and they can teach and do something better. If you think you know it all, if you're not open to learning, then that is the opposite of growth mindset. People don't want to be around that. That's pride. And I think I try, i just thankful for my parents teaching me about humility. Uh, and they were very humble people. And so I try to, I, th- I think that's maybe why people helped me. I don't know. And I just have a, have a funny story since I'm such a serious person. It's been so heavy. I want to tell a funny story about meeting Obama. Year one, we go into the White House briefing room. It's people, I'm with people from Post, The Post, NBC, et cetera. And it's like, we go, okay, when you go meet the president, he'll greet you at the door. You say your name and you walk in. And so we did that. And he's kind of holding court with us in the Oval Office. He's take a picture in front of the his desk. And and then we leave. And I just, I just said, like, I'm in a group of, you know, 25 other D.C photographers and, and uh, filmmakers and stuff. I'm like, Mr. President, you give high fives. And he didn't even answer me. He just put his lanky arm up, you know, put his hand way up and I gave him a high five. And, and uh, I walked out, I walk out of the Rose Garden and I, and I hear exiting the Rose Garden. And he's like, and, and fist bumps too. So, so that, so, so the next year when we came, uh, the next year we came, I won, I won better awards. I won video editor of the year. I was told I was a runner up for the video shooter of the year, which is what I wanted. But I was up against like people from NBC, ABC, those TV stations, you know, the broadcast people. Um, and so I won that award and met them just the same and come to the door, say your name. I'm from such and such organization. And I say, hey, I'm Garrett Hover from USA Today. But I didn't put out my hand. I put out my fist. And there was like this pregnant pause. And he's looking at me. And all of a sudden, this big old grin comes on his face. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. And, and he gives me a fist bump. It's like, 
he doesn't remember, you know, he, there's no way he remembers me. He meets a million people. But, but what I, all that to say, like, that I left USA, I left USA shortly after that. And very intentionally, like, okay, I, if I'm working at USA full time, traveling a decent amount internationally, domestically, uh, and I was like, uh, I was like, okay, what's next? I, I saw the writing on the wall with newspapers and the quality of the assignments and the stories was going down as budgets were decreasing. And I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is just not quite as awesome. I worked with amazing people at USA today, the best people I'd ever worked with in my life. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go freelance full time. I was doing weddings at the time, maybe 10 a year while trying to work a full-time job. And it's just, it's gnarly. And so so I, I left, yeah, I, I, which I, I love doing weddings. Like I just approached it the same way. I tell stories with with my work and tried to heavily get better at heavily vetting my clients. And and it was, you know, it was always just like that that one client in 30 that was just some expectation wasn't met or they were unhappy. It just made your life really difficult. It made you not, made you just kind of give up on weddings. Uh, but uh, I was, I left and I was working, yeah, it's freelancing. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm no longer have this a title attached to my name that I'm the senior video journalist at USA Today. I am Derek Hubbard, no title. And so the invites to speak and to give back in that way stopped because uh, I no longer had this special title. So that to me was a little bit of an identity crisis. People no longer look at me and are impressed because of that. I'm just I'm just a regular guy trying to hustle and do some corporate work and and uh, get stuff done. This has been a very different kind of uh, kind of interview in a really refreshing way. Um, often we have people in here that um, that have really made a name for themselves. And I'm 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 shocked and uh, and really excited to to have kind of had the chance to hear you talk about yourself because the humility is is such a it's such an ingrained part of your story and yet like here you are man you just nonchalantly drop things like USA Today and you know like I mentioned earlier you've avoided it completely but your time working um, you know with at the White House and. Going through your website, uh, you know, the just little little companies that pop up on your website, like Nike, um, and uh, and and all the work that you do with Oz Trails. I guess what I'd love to know um, as we start to kind of get on the back end of this thing is now that you've spent a career and a, and a you know half of a lifetime figuring out how to connect purpose and passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've learned how to say no, and you, you've got kids that you're pouring into and you live in a place that you love and you, you've got the time to spend on the bike, um, which again, you just nonchalantly act as though you, you you're not like the mayor of the mountain bike capital of, of the world, <laughs> but you are, um, you guys, anybody that by the sidebar, anybody that clicks over, if, if we end up sharing this on, on YouTube, which I don't know if we will, but if you click over and see this like clean cut, like thin, cool, yeah, and you would not expect that this would be the guy that is like raging past your 17-year-old kid on 
on the mountain bike trail, but he is. It's when your kid flew off the trail and hit the tree last week, it's because he was in Garrett's way. But <laughs> oh, ouch. Any, anyway. <laughs> Strava. I, what, what comes, <laughs> yes, seriously. What comes next for you? Like, I want to know, I want to yeah. know for a guy that has, has spent a career being this intentional, where are you headed? What's next? You know, we moved to Bentonville praying for a place for a better quality life. But DC, it was about who do you work for? Second question people would want to know is where is it? And then the part of the root of that was maybe what networking, what can I get out of this conversation with you? DC, more type A's per capita than anywhere else in the country. And, and we just wanted a place where it cost of living wasn't so high and the priorities were a little different. If, if, succeeding and achieving as the world defines it is priorities one, two, three in your life. Friendship community is further down that list. And we didn't want it to be further down that list. And we started having kids. My wife and I did. Uh, and we, uh, we wanted to be closer to family, but we did not want to be in Arkansas. That wasn't even on the radar. Uh, we went to California where I grew up checked it out, met with some people, prayed about it, went to Austin where my dad was, met some people, prayed about it, didn't feel like it was the right spot. We're totally discouraged and found this place called Bentonville, Arkansas because of some mountain bike tourism ads that they had done. And it really caught my eye. As a visual storyteller, I'm like, not only is it really cool trails, but I'm like, somebody's invested a lot in their marketing. This is, this is killer. Anyway, so now I live in a place where cycling and cycling has only boomed since then here. It's unbelievable what their aims for quality of life uh, in this town. And thankfully we have Walmart here that wants to elevate the quality of life of all levels in this town. And so now what I'm doing is telling stories around cycling, uh, do it for our state, for our state parks, uh, which our state parks, we have 52 state parks in Arkansas, I believe. And in such a small state and it's we are called the natural state and our natural resources here are a treasure our access our connectivity to green space in in northwest arkansas is phenomenal i don't have to drive 20 minutes to go ride my bike or get somewhere away from city it's just gorgeous so next i've been trying to and this has been a challenge for me for the past four years trying to tell a story about how lives are being changed, produce a doc, uh, a full-length doc about how lives are being changed through cycling in our state. And it's not about cycling. It's not about bikes. It's not about going fast on bikes. It's about life change. It's about uh, healthier outcomes for people in our state. It's about parents connecting with kids in the teenage years where they couldn't connect and stick and ball sports were on the sideline. And now they can, with a mountain bike, they can be out there riding with their kids or with a bike. It's, it's about economic development and people getting jobs here in the outdoor industry. It's about a lot of things, but really it's about people connecting and living richer lives. And so I've been on a journey. I've been filming parts of this off and on for the past five years. And, uh, now I'm just, uh, praying about how and seeking out uh, some more funding resources to bring my team to make it bigger. So I've done a doc, multiple docs in the past, won a couple awards with them, but it's just like, so I'm not, 
I'm not green, but I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm the best guy to tell the, for the job for this story, but uh, I, I still, you know, have, have more people on bringing my team to make it better. So that's what's next. Okay. Let me say this as we, as we kind of wrap this whole thing up, Garrett, um, Tell us, tell us about ways that, as you know, the listeners can can either connect with you, engage with you, um, learn from you. I don't know if you have have training resources or um, you know places that people can can uh, can ask you questions directly. But um, yeah, hit us with with some some way that people that are inspired by you can can get in touch. My website is a great place to get in touch with me. Uh, the gram as well uh, at Garrett Stories two R's two T's uh, yeah I think those are the best places man if, if you've just enjoyed this episode I, I, I'll i say this Garrett I'm kind of refreshed by this episode um, it's 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 rare uh, it's rare to have the opportunity to hear um Really, anyone, but but I think it's it's very rare to hear a man talk about his career after he establishes a foundation of his faith and his family and and his priorities, um, especially in an opportunity where we're we're here to talk about your career. Um, it it says a lot. It also makes me really excited that our kids are friends. Uh, that's a that's a special thing for me. I like that. I like that Beckham has that uh, that influence in his life. So thank you so much for taking genuinely for taking the time to, to sit with us and chat with us. And, um, and we, uh, we can't wait. I'm going to put a, a link to a few of your videos in the show notes as well so that people can see them. Um, last hot button question though, for me, cause I'm just, I'm curious now I want to go back and watch it. What what video or shoot short film or doc, what, what's your favorite? I need to know. Every storyteller has one. Which is the one that came the closest to to perfect for you? When I was at USA Today, I found out about uh, uh, this group of men in prison in uh, in Louisiana, and it was uh, at one point they had more. Uh, it was it was essentially America's toughest prison. Man, it's been. 15 years, 10 years plus years since I shot this. Uh, but it was a group of dads, people uh, convicted of all different crimes in prison, serving at America's gnarliest prison, that wanted to become better dads. Their kids are on the outside. If they have a long sentence, a life sentence, how do they father their kids from behind bars? And so this organization called Awana, uh, which is kind of a faith-based Boy Scouts-ish? I don't know if that's a good way to summarize it. They looked for ways to help these these dads. And uh, I found out about, uh, through a friend, that they had this one day a year where they could have a visit with their kids in kind of like a carnival-type atmosphere. And it's a carnival that made on the prison grounds by the prisoners. And seeing... So it's a story. Uh, it was called Fathers for Life. And it was a story wow. about uh, seeing them. It cul- the story culminates in them in this visit. And uh, it was really, it's still moving when I when I think about it. And it was, gonna, it was a story that I pitched. Wow. 
And it was going to be a cover story. And this was during, uh, it still made it on the cover of USA Today. So 1.5 million copies went out. But it was eclipsed by, uh, man, what was it? The Deepwater Horizon uh, oil rig in the Gulf that was leaking oh, for yeah. like three months. Uh-huh. Uh, that that uh, that news item eclipsed mm-hmm. it from being a full four-column uh, picture on the front page. But that's mm-hmm. been one of my one of my favorite stories of, of all times. Yeah, yeah, dude, thanks for stepping out today. I know it's kind of nerve wracking when you're jumping into a conversation with, yeah. well, we've never met before, but I'm, I'm glad we have now. Um, but I really appreciate your story and your journey and um, just where God's brought you. It's pretty hey, cool. I, I just want to say something else. Like I have, I have by no means really fully mastered what it means to try and, tell the stories they want to tell or live the life they want to live and be the husband and father that I want to be. It's an ongoing Mm. struggle and ongoing realignment of priorities. So I I don't want, I don't want it to sound like I have it all figured out because I'm, I don't think I'm close, uh, but I know what the right priorities are and I know the trajectory that, um, that I'm on and it's a, it's a continual growth opportunity, man. Yep, we talk about it often, man. It's the journey. We're all on it, and we're all we're all trying to do the best we can. And I think you hit the nail on the head um, of, of knowing your true north, man. Know where you're headed. Know what your priorities are. Uh, and as we go through life, we'll, we'll veer off, but we got to have people around us to help us stay on that path. Um, and, and not lose sight of the prize of the goal. So uh, that's awesome, Garrett. You are, uh, you got a great story, man. All right, guys. Well, I, uh, I think we've, I think we've wrapped it. So, um, y'all, if, if you've made it this far into the interview, um, first things first, go ahead and scroll down, make sure that you take a moment to click over, uh, into Garrett's Instagram first, maybe drop him a DM just to let him know that you, that you heard his story and just appreciated the time that he invested in this. Um, also, of course, we would love so much for you to share this episode with a friend that you think might uh, benefit from it. And, uh, and more than anything, um, we'd, we'd so love to invite you in. If you're not already a member at the Photographic Collective, just photographic-collective.com to join. It's a free community just for photographers and videographers to get together, have conversations just like this, where, uh, where positivity and purpose and intentionality trumps uh, your, your camera specs and, uh, and all of the details and your, your success becomes a byproduct of all that stuff. So... Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for, for plugging in week after week and, and uh, enjoying this process. And a huge thank you, I, I want to say it quickly, not only to Garrett uh, for taking time out of your day, um, but to Jared, who has, as you guys have recognized in this season five, has jumped in really as a co-host and, and become a much more active voice in this so that I don't have to shoulder all the weight all the time. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, man, I'm just so grateful for your friendship and, and the influence that you have for all these people as well. So, all right, that's all we got. Okay, so I'm uh, I'm I'm closing this thing out before I, Garrett makes me cry again. 